make special preparations for Christmas, don't we? Well, why, why don't we do that every, year, every day of the year? Why don't we cleanse our hearts and decorate our souls with praise and worship? Earnestly look for gifts of and from the Holy Spirit to give to our loved ones. Sing songs of joy and celebration that he has come. He has come into our midst afresh, anew, every day. The book of Lamentations chapter 3 tells us this. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. This is something to celebrate and to rejoice over and to sing happy songs about. Okay, so some of us don't feel like celebrating every day of the year. Just like we don't feel like shouting hallelujah every day through the Christmas season. Some of us have pressing problems that cloud our joy, that dampen our enthusiasm, that make us question, well, what's the use? Well, let me tell you what's the use. The following is something that I wrote in face, on Facebook in uh, 2019, and it follows something that Florence had shared with us a while back as well. And this is from my um, section that I call Growing Pains, Windows on Growing in Grace. And it's from Psalm 100, verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. How many of you know that verse? Y'all know that one? Enter into his courts with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. That's the one. Well, how many of you see that as an injunction or an order? You, if you enter into his courts, you've got to be thankful. <laughs> and we feel that because we have horrible circumstances that we cannot possibly be thankful for, that we can't come to the Father. Well, what if I said that that's less of an order or a commandment and more of an explanation? Thanksgiving is a portal, so to speak, a doorway, a point of entry into the courts of the king. Thanksgiving is our way in. Every time you express your thankfulness, it ushers you into his presence. You see a beautiful sunrise and you say, thank you, Lord, that's beautiful. You're in through the gate. You have a surprise gift and you say, oh, praise God, that's wonderful. You're right there in his presence. You are in the throne room. So today, as we enter this week of joy, remember to enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and you will be right there in his presence. Amen? So if you want to be in God's presence, be thankful. If we want to usher in a holiday attitude, be thankful. If we want to be bringers of joy to our families, be thankful. Even in the middle of a mess, be thankful. Not for the mess but for the truth that we know God has a way through it. We may not see the mess totally disappear, but we will experience the strength, the mercy, and the grace to see us through the mess. Remember the psalm says that though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, doesn't say that we won't have to go through that valley, but that God will be with us in it. When that horrible old boogeyman comes skulking around and tries to scare the bejeebers out of us, 
We can reach up and grab Father God's hand where he's right there with us. And what better place to be with him holding on to us? How much better of a position can we get into? We can't. That's the best place to be. So let's look at our celebrations for Christmas in a new light, with the light of a thankful heart. Well, you know, if our circumstances are so crappy, excuse me, what is there to be thankful for? Well, first and foremost, we're thankful for Jesus. Now, I'm going to take you through a short journey through the Bible explaining who Jesus is, okay? In Genesis, he's the seed of the woman. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's our high priest. In Numbers, he's the cloud and fire that leads us. In Deuteronomy, he's our prophet. In Joshua, he's the captain of our salvation. In Judges, he's our judge and lawgiver. In Samuel, he's the prophet of the Lord. In Ruth, he is the kinsman redeemer. In the book of Kings, he's our redeeming king. He's our reigning king. In Chronicles, he's the glorious temple. In Ezra, he's our faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he's the rebuilder of the walls. In Job, he's the day spring from on high. In Psalms, he's our good shepherd. In Proverbs, he's our wisdom. In the Song of Solomon, he's the lover of our souls. In Isaiah, he's the suffering servant. In Jeremiah, he's the weeping prophet. In Ezekiel and Daniel, he's the son of man. And it goes on and on and on. He's our baptizer in the spirit. He's our justifier. He's our burden bearer. He's the last Adam. He's our mighty savior. He is the one who sets us free. He is our forgiver. He is the Christ of all riches. He is our messenger. He is the one who meets our every need. He is our avenger. He is the fullness of the Godhead. He is our evangelist. He's a mediator. He is our restorer, and his blood washes away all sin. He is the pierced son. He is the great physician. He's the cleansing fountain. He's the everlasting lover. He is the son of righteousness, God our Savior, King of kings, and Lord of lords. Hallelujah. That's what we get for Christmas. That's exactly what we get for Christmas. This is what we're celebrating, not just the baby in a manger, even though that was a miracle of miracles. We get all that other stuff as well. How could we not have grateful hearts at this time of year? Yes, we do celebrate with family, with good food and gifts, etc., but the major celebration is and always should be remembering exactly why there was a Christmas day in the first place. And the angels gave the first message to the shepherds. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards man. Now what does that peace and goodwill toward man mean? In John 3.16 we find the answer. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him won't perish but have everlasting life. You see, Christmas is not just a message about the birth of Jesus. It's so much more. All the way from Genesis to Revelations, we saw how Jesus' birth would impact the earth. Even time is divided by that one event, before Jesus came and after Jesus came. And I bet if we all looked at our own lives, we could make that same distinction, before we met Jesus and after we met Jesus. Yeah, we do have some of the same struggles, but, and this is a big but, we have an advocate, a counselor, 
a spiritual warrior and a victor to stand with us in all these situations. Someone who gives us hope and then someone who fulfills that hope. So as we take the next couple of weeks to be with family and loved ones, let's celebrate not only the baby Jesus on Christmas Day, but remember throughout this entire period everything that Jesus gives to us. Every gift, every person, every changed attitude, every miracle of provision, and then our longing and hope for an eternity spent in the joy and wonder of being in the presence of God. Hallelujah. And then, after that, we enter into a new year. A new opportunity to see all our dreams fulfilled. A new approach to church. A time of renewed vision. Now, let's not get all wound up with New Year's resolutions that fall by the wayside before Valentine's Day. (laughs) Because they are mainly motivated by worldly or fleshly desires. To lose weight, uh, to get our houses in order, to put away the Christmas decorations right, uh, to keep our bank account balanced. All the things that the world considers to be worthy of consideration for a New Year's resolution. Well, that's clean house now. This is time to do it. (laughs) Instead, as we come through this Christmas season, let's ask Father God what he wants us to focus on in the new year. A clean heart, perhaps. Maybe more time contemplating what we've read in the Word. Not necessarily more time reading, but more time thinking about what we have read so that we get a deeper understanding of who God is and what He wants for our lives. You know, Christmas comes in December, and that's the end of the year. But I always thought that Christmas comes before the new year, not at the end. We get Jesus so that we can face the next year. All of those things that I read to you earlier about who Jesus is in the Bible, those are our spiritual Christmas gifts that will enable us to face the next season and enable us to face it with the knowledge that he is right there alongside us, just like he was with the guys in the fiery furnace. God is with you, still with you, always with you. He has promised, promised to never leave us or forsake us. And that's what his name, Emmanuel, means. God with us. And not just among us, but like we say to one another, brother, I'm with you. I'm right there with you. Like we know exactly what our brother or sister is going through and will stand right alongside us to help us carry that emotional burden even if we can't carry the actual burden. God is saying, my name is Emmanuel, the one who stands right alongside you in all that you go through. I will help you carry that burden. I will give you peace as you go through it. I will strengthen you. I will enable you. I will walk with you through any valley that you may have to travel. I will climb any mountain that you may have to get over. I will never leave you or forsake you, for I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. This is a mighty promise from God for us today. No matter what the circumstance is, no matter how big it seems, God is there. He is Emmanuel. 
Now, if any of us have a valley or a mountain, or even just a dip or a bump in the road, we want to pray with you. Don't go through this next season carrying that thing alone. This is a time of celebration and joy. Do not let whatever worry that you are facing rob you of that joy. Jesus is here waiting to lift that worry, to take on the burden that is causing your sleepless nights, to hold your hand as you take one step after another when you don't feel that you can go one step further on. We want you to come and pray together with us and pray until you find the release that you need. Amen.